Hello and welcome back to Below the Bleachers episode 8. It's been a little bit since we were on the podcast, but we are back and ready to cover some of the best postseason baseball the MLB has seen in a while in the ALCS and the NLCS. Today we'll also be previewing the upcoming 2023 MLB World Series. Before we get into that, let's kick into some recent news starting with some managerial and general manager notes. Starting off in the National League East, the Marlins. A weird move happening within the team. General manager Kim Ng stepped away from the Marlins in a surprising move. Kim said that it was because of the Marlins planning to hire a president of baseball operations to be over her position, which surprised her and led her to leave the organization. This leaves the Marlins without a general manager and a president of baseball operations that they wanted. Kim will be a hot name in the market this offseason as she did a great job building the Marlins back into a postseason team. The Marlins will also now be along with the Red Sox in looking for a new general manager. In the National League West, a new managerial opening has occurred. In a surprising move, Bob Melvin of the San Diego Padres has moved to the San Francisco Giants to be their head coach. Melvin was the head coach of the Padres this season. However, the Padres failed to meet expectations, although Melvin is an esteemed coach in this league, and the Giants are looking to bring back some postseason success that Melvin has had in the past. This hire will leave the Padres without a head coach for the foreseeable future. It might turn out well for them. They may need a difference in ideology in the team, to maybe kickstart their team and bring them back into the postseason after a disappointing 2023 season in which they missed the playoffs entirely. That wraps up the recent moves around the league. Let's now head into a preview of the American League Championship Series between the Rangers and the Astros. This series was wild and weird. It was one of the first times in American League history that the road team won all seven games in the series. The order of events in this series was a Texas win in Game 1, winning 2 to nothing, a 5-4 to four win in Game 2. Then when the series shifted to the Rangers' home, Houston won Game 3, 4, and 5 by scores 8-5, 10-3, and 5-4 respectively. Texas then won the last two games in Houston, 9-2, and 11 to 4. This series was back and forth for practically the whole time. It was an emotional series for both teams, but the difference in who won was the Rangers finding way to strike in the crucial games and crucial moments and using emotional happenings to their advantage. The Rangers offense like it has been all postseason was consistent. Adolis Garcia led the way, going 10 for 28 with 5 home runs, 15 RBIs, and an ALCS 
MVP to add to his trophy collection. His 15 RBIs was the most on the team by 10 runs batted in. He helped this Rangers team almost carry them across the finish line, especially in Game 7 when he hit two home runs and had five RBIs. The Rangers in total had 15 home runs over the entire series, and they were just always on the offensive. No one on this Rangers offense had less than five hits. The offense was always in control during the series. And for Garcia, who led this team, won the ALCS MVP, he cemented himself as a true superstar with an emotional performance. And although the Rangers pitchers struggled at home, they pulled it together when they needed to most. They were led by starter Jordan Montgomery, who pitched for 14 innings with 10 strikeouts and only two earned runs over three games. The bullpen struggled a little bit with giving up runs, although they were clutch in major situations. The bullpen had every pitcher allow at least one run over the series. However, on the road especially, they pulled together. A worry of mine for this Rangers team is that they gave up a lot of clutch hits to the Astros, and we'll talk about that on the Astros side in a second, but if the Rangers want to win this World Series, they're going to need to stop the clutch hit because it almost came back to bite them many times during this series. It came back to bite them, especially in Game 5 when Jose Altuve cranked a three-run home run in the ninth inning to take the lead for the Astros. The Astros would win that game. For the Rangers' good side, though, their emotion, although it is not great to fuel every game, it fueled their wins greatly. Like I said, Adolis Garcia had an emotional series in which he was always, always pushing for the team to get further. But Corey Seager, Nathan Eovaldi, and Jose Leclerc all performed best in the clutch. They led this team to a huge, huge pennant. On the Astros' side, they were fighting the whole series, but they disappointed at home in every home game. Their home record during the regular season, which was in the negatives, was a proven trend that continued throughout this series. And like I said before, this offense was clutch, but it could not catch up to the Rangers, especially in blowouts. They were led by Jose Abreu, Jose Altuve, and Jordan Alvarez, who combined for a 31-for-87 line, a 356 average over the series. However, the polar opposite, the bottom of the lineup, just failed to produce throughout the entire series. Chaz McCormick, Jeremy Pena, Kyle Tucker, and Martin Maldonado combined for only 14 hits over the seven games. Each of them played in each game. They're going to need a consistent offensive attack to beat any team in the MLB, and they just did not have that in this series. Like I said, their emotional finish with Jose Altuve in Game 5 just wasn't enough for them to keep winning at home.
right now that Altuve home run will just look like forgotten history, at least for the time being. The real killer of the Astros this series was their pitching. They were just not up to snuff for the whole series. Framber Valdez, who struggled throughout this entire postseason, continued to stink it up. He only had 7.2 innings pitched with 10 hits and 12 earned runs off of him. The Rangers won both of the games that he started. Not a great line, especially for a guy that they need to trust throughout the postseason. Their starting pitching as a whole was not terribly effective, and the bullpen had to hold it together, which is not a recipe for success in this league. And as the Rangers move on, the Astros are now at a crossroads. They traded away two of their top prospects to get Justin Verlander this season in hopes for a World Series push. However, obviously, that is not going to happen. Now they're stuck with a prospect system that is on the decline. They're not going to have much young talent, and they're not going to have much cap space either. They're going to either need a lot more production from this team, which they can get. They are a veteran team. Or they're going to need to change something up. But the time might be coming for the Astros that changes will happen, and this team will be totally different in the coming future. But for now... We can only look at the Rangers go into the World Series for the first time since the infamous David Freeze World Series almost a decade ago. The Rangers are looking to capitalize on their first World Series action in quite a long time and work to try and win the championship. Now, let's move on to the other championship series from the last week, the National League Championship Series between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. And in one of the all-time upsets, the Arizona Diamondbacks continue to shock the Major League Baseball world by winning the National League pennant over the Philadelphia Phillies. This series also went to seven games. Philadelphia, however, won the first two, 5-3 and 10 to nothing. Arizona won game three and four, two to one and six to five. Philadelphia won game five, six to one, while Arizona won the last two games of the series, five to one and four to two, to come back from down 2 0 and 3 2 in the series to pull off one of the most improbable upsets of the postseason so far. And I'll, I'll be straight. The D-backs didn't have the most consistent team throughout the whole series. Their offense especially was not consistent, especially over the first four games. However, in each win, you can pinpoint a specific performance from a player that led their team to their wins. In Game 3, Cattell Marte hit a huge walk-off off of Craig Kimbrell. In Game 4, Alec Thomas hit a game-tying home run in the 8th inning, Gabriel Moreno would hit a game go-ahead single in the next inning. In game six, Tommy Pham and Lourdes Gurriel combined for back-to-back home runs, which put the Diamondbacks in front for good. 
And in Game 7, Corbin Carroll came through going 3-for-4 with two RBIs and two runs in the pivotal Game 7 win. And like I said, they had a bunch of offensive struggle. They didn't score any runs in Game 2, only one home run in Game 1. But for most of the series, they came through when I needed most. Ketel Marte came away with the National League Championship Series MVP. He went 12 for 31 with four RBIs and set an MLB postseason record with a 16-game hitting streak. That is absolutely wild. Gabriel Moreno also had a huge series. He went 8 for 27 with three RBIs. And like I said, that go-ahead in Game 4. It was almost the entirely same story for their pitchers who were shaky at the start, but they they have proven their place. And they shut down a hot Philly offense, especially over the last two games. Their best pitcher during the series, at least best starter, was Brandon Fott. He led their starters going 9.2 innings pitched with two earned runs allowed and 16 strikeouts, which led the team. Their closer duo, setup and closer Paul Seawald and Kevin Ginkle, combined for 8.2 innings pitched with no earned runs allowed and 11 strikeouts. They were huge in the later innings of this series. This series, I predicted the Diamondbacks to go out because I thought the Phillies were too hot, but this series has only proven that the Diamondbacks are capable of winning the World Series. They're going to be in a tough matchup against the Texas Rangers offense. Their pitchers are going to have to step up even more. But they are very capable and very dangerous. It's going to be fun to watch them in their first World Series since 2001. On the other side, the Philadelphia Phillies had chances to win this series, but their stars went absolutely cold, especially late in the series that doomed their World Series chances. You can see how the Phillies went out just by looking at their four biggest stars, Nick Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, as well as Trey Turner. Those four combined for one hit over the final two games, which led their offense to just flop over the final games in the series. Castellanos himself finished 0-for-23 in his last at-bats in the entire series. He did not perform well at all. The offense as a whole combined for 60 strikeouts over the series, and they never really caught up to the D-backs whenever the Diamondbacks would take the lead. In the early parts of the series, the Phillies rode big, early leads to their eventual wins. However, later in the series, they never got that. The D-backs would strike first, or they would strike strong in the middle of the game. And it left the Phillies with nothing. They could never catch up to this Diamondbacks squad. It's actually kind of surprising because their pitching staff, for the most part, did fine in this series. Their only bad performance was Craig Kimbrell, who let up the crucial go-ahead hits and game-tying hits in Game 3 and 4. But other than that, the bullpen was fine. They had a couple runs let up in the bullpen, but they were they were all right. Their starters did pretty well. Zach Wheeler, Ranger Suarez, and Aaron Nola had pretty good appearances. 
they just could not get it going on the offense in the clutch. If I'm being completely honest, the Phillies should have had this series, but they really got complacent earlier in the series when they started thinking that they had it in the bag. Now they have to go home and reset, completely reset. They have to gain more depth this offseason if they want a fighting chance in the National League with every team building and building. More young teams are on the rise. Their championship window is there, but it's shrinking year by year. They're going to need to have a big offseason, not necessarily with signing big contracts, but gaining depth, not just through the minors, but with smaller free agent signings. That wraps up the National League Championship Series recap. Let's now move into a preview of the upcoming Fall Classic. The World Series is here. And it may just be the weirdest World Series we've seen in a while. The weirdest World Series for sure since that late 2000s Rockies-Red Sox series that came out of nowhere. This is very similar in that both teams have come up very recently to surprise the league entirely. The Diamondbacks especially, I don't think anybody saw them coming out of the wild card. A lot of people predicted the Brewers to beat the Diamondbacks, then the Dodgers to beat the Diamondbacks, then the Phillies. I did myself, but the D-backs have just been insane. Always clutch, always there, and still a little worried about their pitching. I've said that every week, but it is tough to trust, especially against a strong Rangers offense, which will be coming in full strength. The Rangers lost all three games at home during the championship series, and they have home field advantage. So we'll see if that affects anything. I don't think it does because the Rangers will have their top three starters ready to go. Throughout this postseason, I've been predicting what I think will happen, which winners will make it where. And I'll be frank, I have been dead wrong, especially in the championship series. I predicted the Astros and the Phillies. Look what happened there. But if I'm going off of history and what has happened lately, we've had a lot of World Series with a young upstart team with nothing to lose against a veteran squad that's been there before and strong. Think of the 2021 Atlanta Braves or the 2019 Washington Nationals. Even the 2017 Houston Astros, who at that time were just getting started. Heck, I'd throw in the 2016 Chicago Cubs. This year, both of the teams in the World Series are that type of squad. Young, they don't really have a lot to lose because they've got a big championship window. However, I think throughout this postseason, I've gone with the favorite. I think that has to change. And I think the Diamondbacks win the World Series. I think it goes to Game 7. However, I think the Diamondbacks pull it off just because of how crazy they've been. They've upset every single team. Why should that end now? It will certainly be a fun series to watch, though. 
Game one starts on Friday. Zach Gallon will be on the bump for the Diamondbacks. And the Texas Rangers will almost certainly have Jordan Montgomery ready to go. We'll see if this series lives up to the hype or falls flat. It's not the traditional World Series we've seen, but it will be a fun one to watch. All right, thank you so much for listening to Episode 8 of Below the Bleachers. We'll be back after the World Series ends for a World Series recap. I can't wait to have you then. Thank you so much.